0: This is an interesting series because we were like a phrase that people say that could be kind of a not like Jesus-like phrase is get over it, right? It kind of doesn't show the care and compassion and, and servanthood that maybe you would expect. And, and, and you might be tempted to say it to someone, especially after our last series, where we were talking about the, the fear of finances and the fear of relationships, marriage, the, the, the fear of health, but yet you still know someone who's sick. And so you're kind of like, well, just get over it and let's, you know, you could have that that temptation to say, I know that financial troubles are still, but, but let's get over it. Let's, you know, and you, you, you want to rush through all these things. And there's, there's nothing you can do sometimes to change the present reality. And yet, Sometimes it's so long before we get over it. So what do we do? Like, what's our perspective? What should we we look at? And how many times will we be tempted or have we said, get over it, when really, when we look at the patterns of Jesus, he would say, you know what? It's okay to not be okay. So get over it's kind of this upside down statement where it does fit at times, But really, should we use it? You'll find yourself by the end of this five-week series wanting to say, get over it, and know that you normally might want to say, get over it, but that may not be the best answer. And uh, we feel like saying it, you know, we just want to say, hey, okay, be quiet, let's move on, or else we could write a song about it. That would go something like, "Woo, woo shut up and... D-. No, I'm just kidding. But you will read that here in a second. You ready for our scripture? Hopefully you got it maybe open on your phone or it's in your handout. But that's what the disciples said. And we're going to kind of pretend they said get over it here in a second. Luke 18... Verse 35 says, As Jesus approached Jericho, a blind beggar was sitting beside the road. When he heard the noise of the crowd going past, he asked what was happening. They told him that Jesus, uh, Jesus, the Nazarene, was going by. So he began shouting, Jesus, Son of David, have mercy on me. Be quiet. Or, shh. Or, shut up. Or however you say it in your house. Right? Or maybe... Get over it. The people in front yelled at him. But he only shouted louder. Son of David, have mercy on me. And when Jesus heard him, he stopped. Ordered the man be brought to him. The man came near and Jesus asked him, what do you want me to do for you? Lord, he said, I want to see. And Jesus said, all right, receive your sight. Your faith has healed you. Instantly the man could see And he followed Jesus, praising God, and all who saw it praised God too. Jesus is setting an example for his church here. He wants wants us to follow in his way of being safer approach, I guess you should say, of being open to all, of stopping and listening and asking and clarifying he really doesn't carry the posture of those in the front of the line here that said, be quiet. This is Jesus. Revere him, right? Jesus is like, no, 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 no. no. Let everyone come to me. Let everyone at any season. And so interesting enough, the blind beggar demonstrates more the persistency and endurance and consistency in the heart of Jesus, that blind beggar represents that more than the disciples, and I think we still see that tension today, right? Don't we show this? I mean, we need to, we need to, last week, we talked about marriage and and finished up our series on fear, but one of the things that was cool is some of the statistics that were involved, and, and I could geek out on statistics, um, and in the book... Uh, that we were referring to by Shante Heldman, Feldman, whatever her last name is, uh, about, you know, just the reality of these new statistics that are out there when they're all put together on marriage, you realize, oh, my goodness, like church matters. When you look at the the marriage success rate in the church, it's just off the charts. If you're in a, a vibrant, missional, active church, then you have this like 90-some percent chance of, of marriage success and And so all these crazy statistics that are in this book. And so I was reading through that and I was going, if it matters for marriage, it matters for everything, but why do we make it sometimes so hard for people to come to church? You know, maybe sometimes we're we're putting a pressure out there or, or making it seem to people, and I'm glad open life's not this way, but making it seem like they have to kind of clean up before they come to church. I think people feel that pressure. So what can we do to, to really express the heart of Jesus, which is, no, we don't have to tell people get over their real scenario in their life before they ever walk through the doors. We need to celebrate the fact that they made it through their obstacle to church and that it does matter. Here's the big idea. It's okay to not be Okay. It's a big idea today. It's a big idea for the series. It's okay to not be okay. You don't have to put on a front. And maybe you've seen it. Maybe you have actually read the, the banner there next to, next to the big connect banner that has this thing. It says, you know, we're genuine on it. And just the reality of that's not just something we put on a banner. And maybe you're, you saw it on the web or on the app, and you're investigating whether we're really genuine. And I'm here to tell you we're like What you see is what you get. There's no front. There's no, uh, we're not putting on like a face. We don't need to do that. That's not what Jesus showed. He showed that we should have a a culture of authenticity that he demonstrated. And he tried to get his disciples to emulate. And obviously they failed at times. Because it was those in front that said, get over it. Be quiet. Shh. When Jesus is like, okay, where are we missing this discipleship here? Because I think you're supposed to let him get to me. And so he demonstrates, it's okay, let's let's stop, let's listen, let's pause, let's take a deep breath together. We can't pretend our way to Jesus, and we don't have to be perfect to get to him either. So we're going to look at that. We're going to unpack this a little. So what is perfection? What is this perfection thing that we put our the pressure on ourselves to attain to, um, and is it even possible? We asked ourselves that as a communication team. We just were going, wait a second, because we feel the pressure to, like, reach perfect, sometimes put on a facade to be perfect. How's it going? Great. Sucks. You know, and we're kind of… Uh, we, we feel… that. And you don't want to be the person that's just always depressed in the room either. How's it going? Okay. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And they're like, oh, don't, don't ask them how it's going. Trust me. Walk around, you know. So you could be on either side of that tension, but what if we're just genuine? What if we're just like real? And I, I look at that here and I go, there's a passage that says this. Listen to this. Matthew 19, 21. Jesus told him, if you want to be perfect, Okay, so wait. Jesus is about to instruct someone how to be perfect. So we got to put on our listening ears. Here we go. If you want to be perfect, go and sell all your possessions, give the money to the poor, and you'll have treasure in heaven. Then, this is what I want you to catch, come follow me. Then come follow me. I don't want you to go sell all your possessions to the poor. Or to sell all your possessions and then give all that money to the poor. That was a specific teaching for a specific specific, John. I relate specific individual, right? And but but here's what it's teaching: perfection is possible by following Jesus, because perfection is a direction discipleship is not perfection. It's a direction. It's making the choice to follow Jesus. And perfection is a spiritual reality upon confession of faith in Jesus, not a physical reality. And if we get the two confused, we become fake because we put on this facade that everything's perfect, when in reality, We have needs, and we should share those with one another, and maybe we need healed, and we need to pray for one another so that we'll be well. We need to share our lives with each other because we're not supposed to go at this thing called life alone. It was never intended to be that way. So even though we follow Jesus, we still have challenges, but yet we're perfect spiritually. We're made perfect in the eyes of God through our faith in Jesus perfection is possible spiritually. Those who shouted, get over it, to the blind person maybe missed the intent, right? No, there's perfection available spiritually. Don't tell him to be quiet. He needs to be united with Jesus. So, with this spirit in mind, we we jump into this get over it series, and, and today we have four thoughts about Really, the seasons of your life and why it's okay not to be okay, because there's a tension in that phrase too. Like, wait, so like, I don't need to change? It's okay to not be okay? But yet, aren't I supposed to grow? And what does growth look like if it's just okay to not be okay? And I could just go, oh, cool, well then I'm good, right? So there's this tension on both sides. So the first thought today, it's, just, it's a very reality thought, right? Life isn't perfect. Life is not perfect. We're more concerned often about our appearance in culture, and specifically in the culture we live in, than in getting to a place that really allows that appearance to be genuine. And, you know, we kind of put our, we fake our way through it for a while until it's real, if you would say. And right actions do bring right emotions, but. There's a limit. Working to keep up the appearance of perfect is actually often making your season harder. Because now, not only are you dealing with whatever you're dealing with, but now you're dealing with managing a facade, a visible falsehood, a lie, if you would, visually, that gets you into trouble. It's a fib to people. You know, and, and instead of just being real, or, or at least having a safe circle of people around you that you could share the real challenges of your life with. So we put this weight on ourselves of the appearance of perfection, and, and um, so now I, you know, it's okay to not be okay, and I know that, like, my daughters are taking notes on this message right now, and they're going to quote this to me the next time we tell them to clean up their room. And uh, it does not apply to anything involving chores, not looking at anybody specific, but you know, just like, it's just the reality, isn't it though? But but Father, you said, it's okay not to be okay, my room's not okay, and that's okay. So see, I am going to get in trouble by preaching this, but the reality is life isn't perfect. What would happen if we put the energy into progress that we put into the facade of perfection? Interesting thought. What would happen if we put our energy into progressing through the season we're in versus putting our energy in the facade and allowing that season to just kind of dig itself a little deeper? What would happen as a church if we put our energy into being present over shouting, get over it, to the culture around us? And sometimes we shout that through prayer. Now I'm stepping on some spiritual feet, if you've grown up in church, right? But just, you know, we expect, hey, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pray this, and, and everything's going to be great. You're going to go out, and you're going to be fine. Let's do this, Lord. Let's just heal in the name of Jesus. You're good. Let's confess it. You confessed it. We're good. We've confessed together. Brother, you're awesome. Have a great week. Get over it. You know, kind of like, whoa. It doesn't always work that fast. Sometimes God does a miracle. Sometimes God heals healing takes time. Miracles are instantaneous. Low theology doctrine lesson. But the challenge is we put this undue pressure even spiritually on people to get over it. Well, I prayed about it. Why do I still have the same temptation? Why am I still feeling the same? Why am I still? Wow. We should be driven to invite our friends to encounter Jesus, not because they're perfect enough to do so, but because we all just need to genuinely come and say, here I am, Lord. This is is where I'm at. Help. Come into my life right now, where I am. Have you ever walked into a room and not felt, and you basically felt like you weren't perfect enough? Have you ever done that? Maybe you were dressed wrong. Maybe... I mean, I've shopped at Bellevue Square and felt like this, right? You know, it's like you're just in your sweats or something, and you're out. And you're 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 with family, and then you're like, oh, let's zap over and buy something. And you walk in and. First of all, like, everybody's in skinny jeans. I can't even fit my arms in. And you're like, how do I do this? And where do they get those hats? I didn't know Pharrell was a real thing. I thought he just wore a costume. You know, it's like they're all just, like, decked out with these weird vests. Their shirts go down to their knees. I'm like, I don't fit in. And you feel like you're not cool or dressed up enough, right? And you're like, I'm just going to go back to the car. But that, not only do you feel that way sometimes just fashion-wise, but you can feel that way sometimes in rooms that make you feel like you're the not good enough one. I think that's challenging. And I think that's, we should look at that because it should be okay to not be okay in the world we live in. And in church specifically, of all places. I've definitely been in the company of people that made me feel like I did not belong. So when is the last time... You went to a movie, and it was not for a perfect, or it was for a perfect story. I was thinking about this this morning, actually, when I was rereading through my dialogue here. I was going, oh, my goodness. It's true. We love a good tension in a movie, don't we? We want to see a problem, and it's solved in a movie. We don't want to, unless you're into, like, real chick flicks, and then it's all just happy sappy, right? That's not real life. Come on. We're talking about being real. But... uh, Just kidding, just kidding. Some of you are like, oh, but The Bachelor is the real thing. No, there's tension in that. I've heard some people talk about. Never watched it. Uh, You go to see someone make it through a season. That's That's like the whole deal of the movie is the tension. And I think sometimes we feel like in life there shouldn't be that tension or something's wrong with us. But yet it's that tension that builds who we are. So what if we can be a place that can allow people to live in that? Thought number two, life takes courage. Let me read a passage for you, but I'll set it up first. Moses in the Old Testament was like, you know, there's been a lot of movies on it. So maybe you've heard of Moses before, or if you've read some of the Old Testament Bible, Moses is the guy that's leading these Israelites out of Egypt. And they were supposed to go to this promised land, but they rebel against God and wander in a desert for like 40 years. So Moses gets old, and he raises up this, this hungry mentor, his mentorship he has going with this, this guy. And he just, like, is, is always there and, and, and always growing in his relationship with the Lord. And, and Moses, like, passes his mantle to his mentoree or whatever you call it, and his apprentice, and dies. And this is what Joshua, that person is told by God at that moment that he is going to go into the promised land that was promised to Moses. He's going to be the one now to lead the people into where Moses couldn't get. And this is how he's told it in Joshua 1.9. This is my command, be strong and courageous, do not be afraid or discouraged, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Now, if you've read through the Bible much, or maybe you started reading the books written about Jesus, which are called the Gospels in the New Testament portion of the Bible, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, this will sound familiar because Jesus said it to His closest disciples as well. He said, hey, go into all the world, share the good news that I, of the kingdom, baptized people in the name of the Father and Son and the Holy Spirit, and I will be with you always to the very end of the age. I'll be with you. And so Joshua is told to have courage and to not be afraid or discouraged. Jesus says as well, go into all the world, I'll be with you. And this is the thought, avoidance does not lead to life. It takes courage to admit our lives are struggling. It doesn't take courage to say, get over it, even to ourselves. Man, I just need to get over it. God gives us courage to go through life with each other. Be quiet or get over it short changes the process God put on earth to accomplish whatever it is He's trying to accomplish in us, develop perseverance, endurance. We need courage as well to encourage others to remain strong. So there's courage for both the person who needs encouragement, and there's courage for those who need to encourage the people who need encouragement That's like a circle. You're like, you just lost me. Yeah, me too. I think I just got lost there. But the reality is God wants us to be involved with those lives that aren't okay. And if we're really doing the life that God has challenged us to do with others around us, it's not perfect. In fact, it's messy. Life is just messy, especially real life. And when we put a facade on that, man, it needs to not be messy, then we get ourselves in trouble. It takes courage to be genuine. I think the fear sometimes is that what discourages you or what discourages you from engaging others is that you're worried that then you'll not be okay. And there's passages in the Bible that we didn't go in and list them all. There's like Galatians six one. if you're taking notes, uh, would tell you to be careful when helping someone that you're not tempted as the way they're tempted. But here's the challenge. I've got multiple scenarios, and it's been a long time uh, since I've been in an environment where something like this was said. But uh, I'll share one story. I was a Sunday school teacher, so for those of you who don't know what that is, it's not like... A school you sign up for and go on Sundays per se. It was in, in, in old church days, we would have like uh, an hour where you would study the Bible together, and then you would go to a service together. So it's like they called it a school, like a Sunday schooling or school. It's kind of funny when you think you have to explain that. But anyway, so you know, here's this, this thing called Sunday school. I was teaching a college Sunday school class, and uh, a gentleman made his way in and, and was very much so not perfect. Like, he was just discovering things about Jesus, intrigued about it, but was also very genuine. So, the words used around the table were not necessarily the words that, like, the Christian perfect crowd would use. And when it was like testimony time, there were some expletives that maybe people didn't use frequently in their vocabulary. And so it was really, really interesting. And, and even stories about, man, this week I really struggled with this. And they'd be like, Ooh, like, do you say that? Can you say that in church? Like we're on church property, you know. So like, what is that? Uh, so the challenge was to like build an environment and, and go, wait. So it's been that long since you've had a friend that didn't know Jesus and just lived like life normally, that you're uncomfortable being around someone that uses normal vocabulary or like has normal struggles? And I was really shocked because I had just, I, I didn't make a decision to follow Jesus until I was 21. So now I'm probably about 23 teaching this Sunday school. I was pretty fresh with the experience of I didn't know the vocabulary words. I would ask, what does it mean, why are we singing about a lamb? Because this is weird. And then you realize, oh, Jesus was the lamb of glory, and then I kind of learned it. But I was like, there's, it's like this insider language I was discovering. And so I remember when the people came to me and said, Thad, here's the deal. We're really uncomfortable with Chris here and and the words he's using and the stories he's telling. And I just don't, I feel like I'm losing my holiness. So, it, um you know, it's really, I'm, I can't keep coming to Sunday school if I'm going to lose my holiness. And, and yet, you know, so can either he needs to go or I need to go. And they would have this real awkward conversation. And I was like, well, I guess by then I'm going to miss you because he's staying. You know what I was, I was like? Didn't Jesus come for those that were, like, struggling? And so it was this really interesting. I didn't get that I was supposed to be more politically correct than that. I was like, okay, well, bye then, you know. And they're like, wait, you're supposed to change stuff, right? Oh, you know, I thought we're supposed to change. Anyway, so it was like, I just totally had this backwards or biblical, one or the other. And, uh, you know, so I, I was like, they were basically saying, hey, Chris, be quiet because we're here to learn about Jesus. And he was like, so am I. I'm just way farther away right? So how do we become that safe place? Oh, I've had, I've been at a Chamber of Commerce meeting here in Bonnie Lake before, and had someone approach me after I shared my 30-second spiel about the business I help run, which is Open Life here, right? And so I'm like, I'm the lead pastor of Open Life, and um, basically, you know, we're a great church for somebody who's never been in church, or you don't go to church because you know a Christian, and then I just, I get quiet, and everybody chuckles. But afterwards, this person approaches me crying. And they said, Does, are you serious? And I was like, serious about what? And they said, are, are you serious that people can come to church, your church, like, if they've never been to church? I was like, absolutely. Why? Well, I was, I went on a date with a guy and, and went to his church with him. And that next week, I had three people call me from that church and tell me that I should never come to church again because I'm going to negatively impact the holiness of their church. It's really hard to get me angry, but in that moment, I was getting really, you know, it's like the steam was rising, and I was really upset. I was like, I just need names, addresses. I'm just kidding. I didn't say, so, uh, I know a guy, you know? Uh, that church might not be here anymore tomorrow. Just give me their address. No. I was just like, wow. I was so mad because Jesus would never do that to somebody. Jesus is love. Jesus brought good news. Jesus brought hope to the most desperate people that were brought before him. And if we're saying you have to be perfect before you ever come to church, who's going to have courage to come to church and hear the vital message of Jesus? We need courage to open ourselves up to, yeah, get messy. Even as I was talking during setup today with uh, Ed, somewhere here. I really can't see. There you are. Uh, so the, I was, uh, we were talking about his daughter who's on this discipleship training experience for six months in her new small groups in a pub and and just the shocker that is, you know, because it's not America anymore, Toto, right? And it was like, it was just like, oh, uh, we're learning about Jesus and there's beer. Yeah? Really? Are we still having this conversation? And, and I thought it was the most beautiful thing then um, when I was sitting down here enjoying the worship experience this morning because I remember being at a party like five years ago when I was having a conversation about being involved in worship with our brand new worship vocalist today on the side saying, man, I've always wanted to sing and worship, but I've signed up and the church that I was going to never invited me uh, to sing. And I was just, and I was like, yes, I love seeing us grow in the things we do for the Lord. And I get so frustrated. Whenever there's an obstacle in the way, we need courage to just open up the doors. Okay, I'm babbling now. I'm way off script. Thought three. Jesus gives us rest. Here's the, here's the awesome part about Jesus, right? Matthew eleven twenty eight 28 through 30 says, Jesus said, come to me, all you, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you because I'm humble, I'm gentle at heart. And you will find rest for your souls. My yoke is easy to bear. And the burden I give you is light. Jesus promised us that we're going to have rest. That we're going to be able to endure. God gives us strength to endure whatever season we are in. And maybe you're in a season that you would rather get over. (laughs) Right? Everything's upside down. You're like, why am I feeling like this? Why am I dealing with this? Where are the promises that God gave me. Well, here's a great one. He did promise to give you rest, but might I think, might I just toss out the fact that maybe this doesn't mean like you're not still tired. Maybe this means spiritual peace, like spiritual rest. Maybe this doesn't mean, well, I'm going to be, I'm going to wake up and not need coffee. (laughs) Yes, this is awesome. I love Jesus. You know, I'm going to save at least $5 in the morning and $4 in the afternoon for that frap of Frappa whatever Chino, you know? And so it's just like, <laughs> you just it's reality. The challenge is He promises us rest, but that is spiritual rest, that's inner peace. And who does He promise it to? The humble. Rest for the… He says, I am humble and gentle at heart and will give rest to your souls. Maybe we should emulate Jesus and be more humble, not disguised, but humble, open. Jesus models humility. So another great illustration is just to live like Jesus with open life. What a great name for a church, right? We should live our lives more open and humble, and we'll achieve rest that way because we'll really involve ourselves with each other's lives. So I feel like To become the most free in my life, I need to not only open myself up vulnerably to others, but I need to be open vulnerably to those who need to be open. And when I go help somebody who needs assistance in whatever area of their life, honestly, even if I'm struggling in that season, I get a lift. So that's where Jesus is saying, man, my burden is light. You're like, but you're doing so much, Thad. You're, you're, you're this. You're, you're raising money for Big Give. You're serving in this area. You're doing that. You're on the board of that. You're doing this. But yet, honestly, my burden is light. Yeah, my schedule's full. But you know what? I'm loving it. And it's uplifting. That's how Jesus works. Jesus wants us to give life to others. And as we do, we get life. Okay, here's some really good news to conclude today. Thought four, every season ends. Every season ends. We're constantly in process. We're moving forward. There's no such thing as neutral in real life, right? Philippians 1, 3 through 6 says this, "'Every time I think of you, I give thanks to my God.'" Whenever I pray, I make my requests for all of you with joy, for you have been my partners in spreading the good news about Christ from the time you first heard it until now. And I'm certain that God, who began the good work within you, will continue His work until it is finally finished on the day when Christ Jesus returns. There will be a day when we'll be made perfect, That's when we meet Jesus. (laughs) It's it's when Jesus returns or we go to Jesus. On the other side of eternity, everything's going to be perfect. So I'm, I'm challenged here. You might have come through the doors today. Just maybe you read the title of this message online somewhere, get over it, or you saw the it's okay to not be okay. All of it's true. But you were hoping to make it through today and your tunnel that there used to be a light in has become a very dark place and you're just going, I just hope there's a little light at the end of the tunnel when I exit today. There's a lot of light at the end of the tunnel. Just keep moving forward. Every season will end. Don't give up. Keep going. I want to encourage you. Keep going. Open your life up to others God put us all here to encourage one another you're not intended to go through life alone you don't have to put on a facade we should fight to be free from facade and when we lay that facade down something very beautiful happens we realize it's okay to not be okay we realize that really in life There should be no perfect people allowed. Because if somebody's perfect, they're pretending. Your application today or your action point, whatever you want to call it, is very simple. Embrace the season you're in. Isn't that the way to get over facade? Putting on a front, just say, well, here I am. This is, here I am. This is me. And maybe that's the... The burden lifts when you go, I can do that. Yes. Do it today. You don't have to be perfect. It's too hard to keep that facade. Jesus gives you the courage and strength to be where you're at and then begin to move towards an end. I'm going to pray for us today and worship team is going to sing a song. John's going to come up and close us out but I pray that you could go out of here free today from facade and just be be real so God I pray that right now in the name of Jesus you would come into this place and allow us all to reach a point of perfection in our life most importantly the perfection found in following Jesus so that's what you promised us is that we could be perfect by following you spiritually perfect. So I pray right now, if somebody is yet to make that decision in their life, that today they'll make the choice to say yes to Jesus. They'll make the choice to, to join in on, on your mission in life and, and surrender to you as Lord of their life and just invite you in. And that, God, they'll take where they're at right now. They'll embrace where they're at and begin to move forward from here with others alongside of them. And maybe they come up for prayer or maybe we just pray for whatever they've written on their connect card. I don't know, but God, I pray right now that you would breathe encouragement to everybody, that we would all follow you, that we would all reach that perfection. But then, Lord, you'll help us deal with where we're at. Give us the courage to be genuine. Give us the courage to empower others around us by involving ourselves in our lives, no matter how awkward the season looks. Give us the courage to lay down the facade of perfection and to stop seeking it. Let's seek you and enjoy the freedom found there. The burden be lifted. Live humbly. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.